what a blessing. You know, my friend, uh, Pastor Rod, I, I'm happy to call him friend. We've been friends for about seven years, but some of you have been friends longer. One thing I love about him, the Bible says he who, who wants friends must himself be friendly. And he's a friend to many of you here. And what a blessing he has been and what a privilege I have to share this side. Many, every time I've come before, I was always coming as a guest pastor, guest you know, speaking here, and now I get a chance to share as one of the, the staff. And so it's an honor to share this. Today, I'm finishing up um, the book of James. So let's just kind of dive right in, and let me just pray, pray for the service and say a little prayer for Pastor Rod, and then we're going to dive right in to the Scripture. James 5.13 is where we're going to start. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come before you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your grace and your love and mercy. We thank you, Holy Spirit, uh, for your heart, for, being, for dwelling within us and giving us understanding, understanding that we're going to need today. Your word is ever before us and gives us light and direction. And we thank you, Father God, for this church that you've given to us, all the blessings around it, including our, our pastor, our lead pastor, our founding pastor, Pastor Rod. We thank you that you're giving him rest today. We pray that you'd be with him, provide comfort to him. So when he comes back, he's fully restored and rested up to, to carry on the work that you've called him to do. Now, once again, Father, I ask you to give understanding today that you guide my words right now, that they would be only spoken as you want them spoken. Every gesture, every dot and every tittle will be delivered in the way you want it. And we'll thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. I entitled the message, Prayer and Preparation for the Last Days. And, and last, the last time we were in James, in James 5, 7, the scripture says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. And I'm going to have us keep in mind in, in some other tones of this passage as we read it together. So if you're in the tent, would you stand with me as we read this together, kind of keeping a tradition? Don't stand up if you're in your cars. You may bump your heads. At home, you can stand up. James 5, verse 13. And we're, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So if you have a different translation, it may sound a little different. Verse 13, it says, are you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are you happy? You should sing praises. Are you sick? You should call for the elders of the church and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayers of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly, no rain would fall, there were no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. 
You may be seated. I want to share the tone of the scripture with you. To me, it's so important to share tone. And as we look back and as I shared that passage of scripture, James in, in, in verse 5 was talking about the last days. But you know what? His whole epistle is epistle of tone. I remember just listening to Pastor Rod and talking about James. I liked the way that he had put it a few weeks ago when he talked about James and his seriousness. James was one, of the, was one of the brothers of Jesus Christ. And you know how hard it is for a sibling to accept their sibling, especially saying, this can't be the Savior that we're, that we're looking for. But James came about. He had a, a change of heart. And in James chapter 1, James writes this as he opens the epistle. He says, this letter is from James a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. I wanted to focus on, on James and what he said here. He didn't call him by Jesus. No nicknames, no half names. He called him by his full name, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm a slave to him. See, if we're going to receive what James is saying for us, we're going to talk about prayer and preparation in the last days, the days that we're living in right now. And if you and I are going to be prepared to, to do all the things that James has told us in the epistle thus far, including this thing that he's telling us about prayer, there has to be a seriousness about it. And James starts out with this seriousness. He says, I'm a slave He's not my brother. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. And for you and I, if in order to take prayer seriously, in order to take our walk with Christ seriously, we need to consider where we're at and is Jesus the Lord of our life today, right now? Are you a slave to Christ? Is your life poured out totally for Christ? Are you willing to do the things that he said in your life to serve him? Are you willing to put aside things like your pride, your position? I wrestled with that last night. That very same thing. You know, I, I was questioned. God, the, the Holy Spirit dealt with me in an encounter that I had with one of my loved ones last night. And I go, man, that didn't go well. But are you willing to pour out everything for Christ? In order to understand the tone of what James is going to tell us about prayer and preparation, you and I have to be like him. James says, I'm a servant. I'm a bond servant. I'm a willing servant. He's not my brother, Jesus. He's the Lord, Jesus Christ. Paul had a similar sentiment in Galatians 2.20. He said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So that I live this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Man, it's the same thing. Here it is. Paul is saying it's not me, but it's Christ. As I was reading that scripture just right now, I was thinking, how am I projecting Christ? How am I projecting Christ in my, in my prayers and in my faith and in my, my walk? 
Am I delivering? How am I, how am I projecting Christ to others? Is it really Christ? James also in his deliverance, he, deals, he, he delivers this epistle with a tone of, of warning. His warning is about the challenges that you and I face in this life. These are things that we're going to need prayer for. And the danger of falling away and turning our back, even for a moment. He warns us about these things. James has the same vigilance as I was reading this this week about in my quiet time about in the book of Deuteronomy about Moses and how Moses before his his final words to the, the people of Israel before he's about to die Moses says you know what you're going to turn away you're going to turn away you're going to turn away from God and James has this same type of vigilance for us as a church he's saying you're going to turn away Watch that you don't turn away. That's his word to us. Peter had a, a similar tone of vigilance as he, in his epistle in 1 Peter 5.8. He says this. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring, roaring lion, seeking to whom he may devour. In the New Living Translation, it says it like this. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy's right at our side, whispering in our ears, talk, trying to, to get us to, 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 to a place that we don't believe, trying to twist the scriptures, trying to change what we believe. In the book of Proverbs, we get this warning. Proverbs 24, 30, it says this, I walk by the field of a lazy person. The vineyard of one with no common sense. I saw that it was overgrown with needles. It was covered with weeds, and his walls were broken down. Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. What a scripture warning to us. Just a little bit of sleep and a little bit of slumber. I'm making it my daily practice, not patting myself on the back, because some days I don't want to. I want to sleep. My daily practice is the first thing I do before I do anything. So I grab my Bible, and I go into a, a, a room, a quiet place, and I open it up. And daily, I work my way through the Bible from cover to cover, throughout the year. So I have a, a daily reading, a portion of the Bible said so by the end of the year, I've gone to cover to cover and I seek not just in reading, but to hear and listen to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes my prayers aren't great. They aren't fervent, but I get a prayer out and God is faithful even when we're not. Amen. You know, the Bible says even in the book of, of Romans that when we can't pray, those of us who have the Spirit of God, we speak with groanings. So he's able to carry us through those things. And even one day, it's so easy, just one day of not doing that, to follow, of not reading and not praying, to have days that happen. And next thing we know, we've gone a week or so 
without reading and not hearing what God has to say to us, not trusting in what the Holy Spirit says to us. See, when I'm reading the Scriptures, I'm encouraged by what the Bible says. I get direction, and you know what? I get a scolding. In, in, in 1 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction in righteousness. Every day when I'm going through, I hear it. Hey, Jim, you didn't handle that situation right last week. Or maybe you, what you did was in line with what I want you to do. Keep it up. You and I need to be there. James has this vigilance for us as he's telling us to pray. He's given us actions for the last days. And he told us in verse 7 that we're in the last days. And I know some of you have heard it over times. Oh, I've heard that. I've been around. I've heard the last days. But God's days aren't our days. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years. And I believe we're living in that portion of the last days. How many days is the last days? And even if, and I'm going to give you a, a side, especially for parents or anybody that has kids or anybody that's close to kids or anything, that even if the Lord should tarry, James writes in the last passage of Scripture to us earlier in the epistle, he says, be patient. Just as I was patient enough to, to give you time that you might come and know me, I, there's others that I want to hear the word as others that I want to give time for them to give their life to me. And if we're parents, if parents, as those who are close to kids, grandparents, uncles, cousins, aunts, for the next generation, if the Lord should tarry, we need to be ones that are getting them ready. We need to be praying for them and we need to carry on a life before them that's worthy. This is the kind of vigilance that James is preaching with. I give you one more. James is preaching like his brother Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 13. I want you to keep this in mind. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it, talking about the way of destruction. Verse 14 says, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life. And I'll throw in a little uh, parenthesis, everlasting. And there are few who find it. See, here's the truth. There are going to be few of us, and I believe that even the tone of this, these last eight verses in James are a tone where James is saying, are you going to do as a church what I've told you to do? Are you going to pray? Are you going to follow the things that I've told you earlier in the epistle? And are you going to follow these last few things that I tell you to do with diligence, with the heart that I'm trying to tell you, being a servant of God? That's what James is telling us right now. And are you willing as a church to do it? With those things in mind, with the tone that James comes at us, let's look at these things that I, this message of prayer. In James 5.13 he says this. He says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Simple word to the church. He's talking to the believers here. A simple thing. Are you going through hardships? And I believe that it's worth separating these 
First, there's four types of prayer that James talks about here, and I believe it's worth separating because after this, James is going to talk about a specific prayer for sickness. Well, what are hardships? I believe that Jesus gives us an idea of some of the hardships that we're, that we're going to be going through, particularly in the last days. In Matthew 24, um, starting at verse 3, Jesus says this, his disciples came to him and said, tell us, when will all this happen? What signs will signal your return at the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my, naming, claiming, in my name claiming that I am the Messiah. They will receive, deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yet these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first, first part of birth pains, and more will come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray me, and hate each other, and false witnesses will appear, and many will deceive many people. And sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will, go, will grow cold. I'm just wondering, church, does any of that sound familiar? See, wars and rumors of wars, the wars may look different. It could be cyber wars, as we're experiencing today. It could be direct war, as we, as we see today. Well, what about some of the other things that he says? He said, he talked about um, the fact that we're going to see these famines in, in many places and pestilence that comes along. Anybody know any recent pestilence, pestilence that have come in? Yes. And here's the sad thing. These things have become a division, not only for the world, but more importantly, even in the church. You know Why? Because a church needs to be a church more prayer. See, if we had come together as a church, there wouldn't have been division in the church. Little Hope City Church felt picked on. As you know, when, the, when I'll call it the pestilence happened with, with COVID-19, March 8th last year, I got the word, you can't have service next week. In obedience, as it says in Scripture in 1 Timothy I did what the law of the land said. I shut the church down. God gave us other ways. Worship wasn't going to stop. The word wasn't going to continue going out. But what many appeared to be a freedom of worship was, wasn't. There were many pastors that kept their churches open. I don't, that's before them and God. All I did was what God, I believe, told me to do. And yet, I was challenged by some pastors. Where's your faith? That's just the enemy. Could be. You, you don't have the faith enough to stand strong and, and keep your church doors open? I believe this is the way the Lord told me to do it. I'll find a way. And if it hadn't have been for that, there were things that I do today. I have a YouTube channel for, for those. I, I, we go Facebook Live. It's not great like it is here, but the word gets out and I have other people that are listening to it that are affected by it that wouldn't have been before. We can't stop the Lord. We just, we sang the song today. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? 
Wow. We can't stop God. But our prayers and our faith in God, our trust in what he said, and as we can, if we come together as a body and believe that through the hardships, he's going to raise, raise us up. In James 1, he reminded, count all joy when you go through various trials and tribulations. Amen? Because he's going to work in us. He's going to use that, even in these times, to strengthen us. Prayers of hardship. Prayers of hardship in the world around us, but also prayers of hardship even in your own home. In Luke 12, 53, it says, Fathers will be divided against sons and sons against fathers. Mothers and daughters against mothers and daughters against mothers. Mothers-in-law against daughters-in-law and daughters-in-law against mother-in-law. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, when you see the clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, here comes a shower. And you are right. When the south winds blows, you say, today it will be a scorcher. And it is. You fools, you know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret these present signs, these present times. Jesus was saying these things are going to take place. He said it's going to happen even in your home. He's given us the word to prepare us. James says when it happens, pray. I've experienced this in my home and trying to get my family even to believe. There's a divide even amongst in my family. There's a divide in, amongst those uh, closest to me at times. But I know that the Word of God says it's going to happen. These are things we need to pray about, and we need to know that it's going to happen. If you raise young children, you'll know. And sometimes, I'm going to tell you, there's a war against young people today. Social media is out there. They listen to these guys, and, and they're drawn to the, the media presence, the social media presence. And they're followers of those guys instead of being followers of Christ. The Bible says, that a prophet doesn't have honor in his own home, in his own hometown. Jesus experiences it amongst his brothers and sisters. If he experienced it, you and I are going to experience it too. Jesus goes along in that same past, passage when he says that a prophet is not without honor. He says the, the servant is not greater than the shepherd. In other words, as a shepherd, if he experiences it, you and I are going to experience it. You know what James says? When you go through these type of trials, these type of hardships, he says, pray. God is our source. Let's go on to another type of prayer James talks about. Prayer of, of, of song and praise. And I just, this one is, is short. We have a whole psalm, whole book of psalms that are prayers in song. I'm driven to, to think about this. There are times when we're happy. The, the praise is to go up to God. God, we're having a great day. We're to praise God. We're to we glorify God in, in songs of praise. It's a song that, that we're driven to seek the Lord when we realize in our heart that he's my deliverer. He's my pro provider. He's my savior. He's my Lord. He's my banner. Everything that he says comes to pass, and right now, it's coming to pass. 
Lord, I praise you. I glorify you because I get to be a servant of yours. I get to serve you. Paul and Silas in the deepest dungeon we're in, sewage running, sewage and blood running through the, the, the dungeon. They're chained, and after having been beaten by a cat of nine tails, chained to a wall, <laughs> Paul realized, wow, I'm, I'm going through what God called me to go through. I'm, I'm being crucified for Christ. This was part of my calling. He <laughs> says, Silas, let's sing a song of praise. Are you willing to do that? If you're happy, the scripture says to sing a song. Prayer for the sick. He says, hey, in, in verse 14, he tells us, if anyone among you is sick, he says, call for the elders of the church. I lost it there. And he says, If any of you are sick, call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such prayer, verse 15, offered in faith, will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, they will be forgiven. This is a practice that I don't see happen in the church. I believe it's great instruction for James. I don't see it being practiced enough, I'll say, in the church today. I believe that every word is not just written by happen, happen chance. I believe, you know, as we as humans, we may think about it sometimes. We put something in, a, we write a letter to someone, and we send someone a text, and, you know, we kind of candidly, you know, throw maybe a, some salutation out that we, we don't mean. I mean, I've done it. But every word in Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Everything is important, and he's given us something to do. And I believe that those who follow through with this have faith, and they believe that God is going to do what he says. My job, how I earn a living for my family, I'm a hospice chaplain. And I have an opportunity to do this on a weekly basis. I'm called into the homes of a loved one that's getting, going, going to step into eternity supposedly, for a time. I've gone in and done this, and I've even had the pleasure as a hospital chaplain to where God, when I've done it, God has healed. But I go in with the belief of this. I'm going to go in. If I get there, God's going to do a work, the work that he says he's going to do. I go in and I anoint with oil, not knowing whether, and I believe this, when he says that the healing is going to take place, the healing will take place in one of two ways. Either they're going to be lifted up, as a hospital chaplain, I went in. I had a lady that was in the hospital. One of my first times years back as a hospital chaplain, I went in. I did what the scripture said. I laid hands on her. I got called. I was making rounds at the hospital that day, and I got called by our ICU nurse. And they said, everything on the, she's hooked up to all the, all the, the monitors and everything, and everything in the monitor says she's going to pass today. Can you hurry? I get there. The family's surrounded by that. God told me a couple things to do, and he actually told me, I'm going to heal this person. And I was like, ah, I'm afraid to share that with the family. So I kind of soft-shoed that into my prayer and everything. But I did this, anointed with oil, prayed the prayer of faith. God had me play a song that was heavy on my heart at that time, and I prayed it. 
Here's the long and the short of the story. I go back the next day to check on them. The, the husband was at her bedside. She was awake. He was feeding her. He had never left her side. I go back the next day. The nurse was in there feeding her. The husband was down getting something to eat. The third day I go back in. She's not there. I, go, I looked in. I go, oh, my gosh. Went to the nurse. What happened? Oh, she went home. So I've watched that happen. But on the other side, many times as a chaplain, I go in and pray the prayer of faith over them. And they receive the greatest healing. See, then the greatest healing that takes place is no sickness. There's no sorrow. There's no suffering. There's no pain. They're living in glory, the greatest hit. And I believe that even though many times when I do this, they're not awake. They're not alert. But I believe when I get there, God, who, by the way, speaks to kings in their dreams, speaks to them and has a conversation that we can't have. And at that very time, if they don't know him, I believe they can make a decision for Christ there. Something that we'll never know until we get to heaven. I'm looking forward to getting there and seeing many that I prayed for. The bottom line, church, is that we have to do this. We have to have the faith to believe, laying hands and praying with faith. It's a fervent prayer. The fourth prayer is a prayer of forgiveness, a prayer of restoration. Take a couple moments and, and just praying with that. And, and that's from verse 16. It says, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. I love this because I believe that what has to take place here is a person that comes to maybe a brother and, 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 and says, you know, I'm confessing my sins to you. Will you forgive me? The brother who has an opportunity now to forgive, forgives and prays for them. I also believe that someone says, I'm, I'm struggling with some sort of sin. Can you keep me in prayer? I need your, your prayer. I need your, you to help me. But I believe it takes an action from the person that's praying too. I believe that we have to seek God and ask God to put me in a place where I have compassion for this person to put me in a place where I have patience for this person, to bring me to a place where I have understanding for this person, to bring, me in the, to, to bring me to a place where I see their sin as equally as I see my own sin. See, I was thinking some, about something that just happened at Hope City Church. Palm Sunday had a great service. I'm on my way home from church that day, and I receive a text from a member of our church saying that one of my members had just died. His name was Chaos, street name, but he was, his birth name was the wonderful name of Thomas. Thomas was almost my age, and over, for over 50 years, he lived on the streets. And he died in his tent, alone, after several trips to the hospital, unable to walk. One of his People in, his, in the, the camp that he lived in found him in his tent. I was thinking about the life of Thomas and how the Lord had put me, had given me the opportunity to be in his life. Because I'll tell you, many people said, why do you do what you do? 
You know they're just there to take advantage of you. They need to get a job. Oh, they're homeless because they don't want to do better for their, themselves. They're homeless because they're on drugs. Some of those things may be true. But the Lord gave me the opportunity as he was working on me just to ask him on one of my trips to help him out. I had picked him up one day. He had called me, Pastor, it's cold outside. He said, can you come and can you fill my tank with gas, propane, so I can be warm for the night? Man, I've got a, a house that I was getting up in the morning, and my wife would say, we, we do rock, paper, scissors to get out of bed to turn the heater on. I always lose. Anyway. And I get out, of, I, I come out, and I, I said, sure, I'll be there. After work, I'll come, and I'll, I'll pick you up. And in that time, I, I went to, to chaos. And I said, chaos, tell me your story. He said, I was abandoned as a kid. I don't know my parents. All I know is I was placed on the doorstep. He said, I was put into an orphan, and I went through many orphanages. And, 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 and he says, I, I was abused in some of those places, so I kept running away. And because I kept running away, I was put into the system, into the juvenile system. When I was too old for that system, I was put in jail. When I got out, I couldn't get a job. I couldn't do things. I didn't know anything. I had to fend for myself. So, Pastor, I stole. And eventually I got caught, and I was put back in jail, and I was in and out of the system. I thought to myself, though I didn't condone it, I said, man, if I had grown up that way, where would I be? What would I do? And God said, you need to have compassion. I know their story. You need to pray for them without condemnation. You be hands and feet. And that's what I've done. When a brother or sister comes to you, have compassion and pray with fervency that God will change their life. And it says in the prayer of a righteous man, the prayer of a righteous person avails much. Amen. The final things I want to talk about is just really quick are three actions that we need to do. And as a church, you might be on the other side of this. The actions that he tells us to take are actions for our preparation as a church. They're the things that are going to keep Hope City going for the next generation if the Lord should, should tarry. They're going to be things that are going to grow us as a church, not, not just in numbers, but that are going to grow us spiritually that God wants us to be. And maybe we can have an effect on other churches here too. The first one is that when we're going through something, not to do it alone. You know what the enemy likes more than anything is division. The enemy likes to keep us separate. If we can walk a dark alley by ourselves, the enemy's like, hey, and he'll walk with us. Hey, man, where's God with you now? Hey. But if we go to our brothers and he goes, man, I'm, there's some deep stuff that's going on in my life. Would you pray for me? If we can be there for one another. But we have to take a step. That's the first action step that he says. The section, second action step is to confess our faults. The Scripture says sins, but in the, in the King James Version and in the New King James Version, it separates sins from faults. 
And so I believe that there's two type of things. And in the New King James, it uses the, 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 the word trespass. One of my favorite writers, pastors of old, J. Vernon McGee, he kind of talked funny, but he preached well. He says, this is what he said. We are to confess our sins to God, but our faults to one another. He says, if I have injured you, then I ought to confess that to you. But I will not confess my sins to you, and I do not want you confessing your sins to me. You are to confess your sins. You are, confess, you are to confess that to the Lord. For the scripture says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 9. James, I believe that Dr. McGee did a great job of explaining that passage to us. But we need to be ones that goes to a brother to confess our faults. And even if we don't give them the death of our sins, saying, God knows my sins, but I need you to pray for me because I'm going through something. I'm not walking the walk that I need to walk. And it doesn't matter what our position is in the church. We need to do that. And here's the final action. It needs to be an action that we do, a preparation, an action of preparation where we, where we restore the wandering believer through Christ Jesus. James says this as he finishes the chapter. He says in verse 20, verse 19, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings that sinner back will save that person from death and bring about forgiveness of many sins. I think one of the most important things that we can do, action that we can take, is keep a lookout for believers. We don't assume that everybody in the church, everyone that it comes to church, is not in a place in their life where they're struggling. We can't assume that they're not going through something. I see you on Sunday morning, and some of you right here today may be going through that Sunday morning smile. You know, we wear the mask right now. I had a mask. I saw a guy in a mask. It had a smile, a big old smile on his face. I wanted to pull his mask down. We come that way. You might raise your hand. And you say, I've been there before. I come with a smile. You and your wife are coming to church, and you're arguing. Just wait till service is over. I got, I'm not, I got finished. My sermon, I got you. I got a sermon for you. Hey, hi, Pastor. How's it going? Yeah, when you get home, I got a sermon for you. How many of us are going through that? We need to keep our eye out, and we need to be ones that confess that. And we need to know that we need to pray for them coming back. As the worship team comes forward, I want to just share this final story with you that, that relates to that. I was, uh, just last night, I got called. I was heading out to, to do some of my chaplain work, but I got called from one of the owners of one of my companies. She said, Pastor, she actually texted me, I'm going to be at the hospital at 5, can you come? Her husband, she's a woman of, of some faith. Her husband had received the, the vaccination shot four days after receiving the shot. He got the virus. 
He's in a hospital room in Downey. And he clinging to life. He's intubated, machines all around him, measuring all of his vitals. And after I did my thing, yes, anointed with oil, prayed the prayer of faith, did all those things, she shared her story. She said, Pastor, I'm okay right now. And I'm strengthened because you came. But she said, my faith was such that I was about to turn my back on God. She said, I, there were days that the doctors came in and she says, he, these things are going to happen. He may not make it. And she said, it was at that time, I was like, God, you're not going to do anything for me. I'm going to go to a bridge. There's a bridge in Long Beach. And I'm going to jump. I don't know if you've ever been in that place. And even if it's, I'll call it spiritual insanity for a moment, it's still a time when we walk away. We turn our back. We say, ah, you're not going to do anything, God. Our faith is lost. Church, if that's you, we want to offer prayer. Pull a pastor aside. We have people here. Tell a friend. Friend, if that's you, and God uses you to bring them back. Know that you've done a great work at the hand of the Lord. He wants to use you. James is fervent about the things he shared with us. Be vigilant, church. Be serious about your prayer. Be serious about your relationship and your walk with Christ. Be a servant like James was. A servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, all of us who confess this right now, we're your servants. Lord, change our hearts and our directions. Give us hearts of compassion to pray for the church and the world. Give us eyes to hear and to see what's going on. Spirit, move in us. Affect us mightily. May we bring glory and honor to you every step and every moment that you give us here. Use us mightily. And may we be like James as he followed in the footsteps of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And it's in these things we pray. Amen. And all God's people said.